Hello everyone, it is That Williams Guy, and here to save the day on a Sunday night so that we have an episode to drop on Monday morning is Brian Easter. How you doing, Brian? Good, dude. Glad to be the pinch hitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I posted in the uh, That Williams Guy show group this afternoon that unless someone came up with a really good idea that uh, there would not be an episode tomorrow. And Brian piped up, hey, I'm available, let's go. And so we, we may take some of the suggestions that were, were thrown out in the group and discuss some of those. We've got another topic we're going to jump on first. I do have a guest booked for next weekend, but you'll just have to find out who that is next Monday morning. But uh, Brian, how you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm uh, mildly dehydrated from the Oklahoma heat, plus uh, doing some gunsmithing work right now. So it was uh, it was Sunday gun day with dad. And uh, we fired up the Parkerizing tank, and I did some 1911 work and some revolver work. And uh, needless to say, I'm I'm a little parched. So. Yeah, here it was 108 degrees at uh, the Meat Hall Gun Range today. Yeah, I uh, and speaking of Meat Hall, uh, I had a delivery for Troy Miller and mm -hmm. uh, Bill Foster, so. Uh, got it. I went to the Shawnee gun show yesterday and yeah. it is fantastic. I've never seen so many cool vintage single action armies with letters and it, it's a fantastic show. And, uh, Bill Foster said, Hey, Bill Armstrong's cooking out at Mead hall. Get, get out here. So got to hang out with Tom, our, our, our dear friend and mentor, Tom Givens and, uh, saw Tim and Zach from Apache and Ken Stedman and, uh, Mindy, Mindy K Ray and her husband, and just, just had a, had a good time of, uh, you know, friends, food and fellowship and, and, uh, spent a couple hours out there with, oh, and Michael Labonte and Dan Reedy. Okay. So yeah, it was, a, it was like a short family reunion and, and, uh, spent some time with Mr. Foster and Troy and, got uh got their packages delivered and uh i did they, they both called dibs on a couple of sets of aaron stocks that i had so i had to drive to shawnee and uh and managed to uh score a pound puppy rescue uh that mr kegel talked me out of so so yeah he's uh he's deserved of a good four inch service revolver so yeah well, speaking of family reunions, last weekend was the Rangemaster reunion for Rangemaster certified instructors, and I was that was at uh, Ed Monk's place in Whitehall, which is a very nice facility, Whitehall, Arkansas. And I was driving home, and I got just on the home side of Tupelo, Mississippi, and my service engine light came on in my pickup truck. Now, folks, I have two pickup trucks. The newer of the two is a 2007. 2006, 2007, somewhere around in there. And um, I managed to make it to a Chevy dealership, pulled in. There was no line at the service center, which was miraculous. And they were able to get right to me. Uh, they checked everything and said all my fluid levels were fine, everything. But I had a gauge or two that weren't working properly. And they thought that's what had triggered the sensor. Uh, they did an oil change for me since I was due for an oil change and said, we think you're fine to get home and then just get your local mechanic to fix these, these gauges. And I took off. Everything was running fine. I thought everything was great. And I get a smack dab downtown Atlanta 
And I had to make the decision whether to come home on I-20 or come home from there on I-85. And I chose I-85. And I knew better. I knew better. I knew better. But I did. Did it anyway. And I listened to the GPS instead of knowing what, doing what I know how to do. And I took the this exit to go 85. Traffic was stopped. And I got caught in that standstill. And I just happened to look down and my temperature gauge was rising. It was rising. It was rising. Was rising, so I managed to force my way over. I was in the left-hand lane. I managed to force my way through the traffic in the right, get to the uh, to the emergency lane on the right. I pull up under an overpass, so I'm shaded. I get out to open my hood, and I'm letting it cool down. I've been sitting there about 15 minutes, and uh, I think oh, I'm okay. And I'm standing outside the truck in the shade, and I look off to my left, and I see a bogey with missile lock <laughs> coming as fast as he could down the lane towards me. I said, oh no, I will not be here for this encounter when he gets here. I will be like Mr. Miyagi. I will not have this fight. So I shut my hood, jump in the truck. Traffic was, was moving then. I jump in, get to the next exit and starts to slow down again. And I see the gauge start to rise. Like I am not going to get caught in this traffic. So I hit the off ramp, get down to the bottom of the off ramp and this is smack dab downtown Atlanta folks and there are all sorts of uh urban, urban dwellers uh and I manage to circumvent them and I see an Atlanta fire station and I get to it and I pull around where I won't block um you know the fire trucks coming in and out and I shut it off and I sit there the fire truck was out it comes in just a few minutes later from a run and they're like you're fine over there and so I called for, started calling for records. And that's when I figured out that the uh, guy that has taken care of me for years is actually two weeks away from retiring and he's selling all of his stuff and he couldn't come get me. Oh, no. So I had to start making phone calls to other places and um, finally get one that will come from where I live to come pick me up and take me home and let me ride home in the record. And it's only going to cost me $300. So, hey, yay. So here I am sitting in the parking lot of this fire station as the sun is starting to drop. And the fire guys had told me, you can come inside, but if you leave your truck unattended out there, it won't be in the same condition when you get back. In a fire station parking lot? In a lot? fire station parking lot. They said, if you leave it unattended out there, the windows will be busted out, your stuff will be gone, or somebody will be asleep in your vehicle. So you cannot leave it unattended. And so I stayed out there with it in the 90-something degree heat. Everything. Thankful I was in the shade. And just as the sun had set, um, one urban dweller spotted me. And comes in. It's just dark enough that a flashlight will make a difference. And spotted me and it's coming across the parking lot. And as I noticed, I, you know, they're zeroed in on me and they're coming. And I'm, I've got my truck between me and them. I'm like, I can't help you. And they keep coming. I said, I can't help you and they keep coming so then my surefire thousand lumens wrath of the sun from my pocket comes out the stiletto pro hit the lights in them and they were not expecting the sun to come back out at that moment <laughs> and they stopped like i just need a dollar i was like i can't help you and they got their hands up shielding their face and everything so finally i just let the light off and i said I'm saying this one more time. I can't help you. And they were all right, all right. And they backed off. And so eventually the, the wrecker got there and got me home. 
So that's where we are. I just need for the car dealers to get inventory and get hungry again. Mm-hmm. Because I looked around online and everything, and man, there's just nothing, nothing out there. And no inventories, and they're not hungry. Yeah, my uh, my old Tacoma is about to roll a hundred thousand, and uh, man, I have been yeah. offered stupid amounts of money for yeah. that that truck, and I love that truck, yeah. and it's you know, but uh, well, I'm glad that Surefire prevailed. I am glad that I had Surefire. So you know, thank you to Jamie and Andy for making sure that I have Surefire products. I was. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've got a couple of thank you, Andy Stanford. We love you, brother. So, I don't know whether this one came from Jamie or came from Andy. They have both provided one for me, but uh Wrath of the Sun stopped this individual in their tracks. Uh, yeah, I was I was about to play the Leroy Jenkins <laughs> soundbite that I have queued up, but uh and folks, I'm not claiming that oh my gosh firesight will make people stop dead in their tracks everything yeah. it did this time whether or not next time it will or not i don't know don't draw conclusions from a success story of one yeah i've had you know i mean i live in the well you you've actually been within been, a few blocks yeah. of where i live here and i mean it 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 tends to be yeah. for a downtown area melanie and daryl bulky yeah. i gave them the tour of downtown yeah. and we i took them to all the little the public parks and stuff. And the conclusion we reached is Oklahoma city is the safest downtown area in probably in yeah. the country right now. Yeah. Uh, not without its fair share of problems, but the problems don't seem to creep in until after dark. Yeah. And they were both kind of surprised. It was like, man, we can't, we can't do this in downtown Dallas. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I do have a pocket light, some spray, some other spray, a reload for my other spray. I mean, I, yeah. it, it's just a thing, right? But, yeah. uh, but for a downtown metropolitan area, it's, it's not terrible. So, um, anyway, that, but yeah, I've had flashlights with, uh, bogeys, as you said, flashlights are a good thing. It's, and they're not inconvenient to carry anymore. Right. I tell people, I, I, I carry a ProTac a lot, uh, yeah. Uh, Streamlight ProTac, and uh, I think I got it on one of those Elephants deals, or I carry a stiletto that Andy Stanford got got me. And uh, it's really funny how you can change people's disposition if they're not expecting that. Right. And this person clearly was not expecting it. And who carries flashlights, man? You know, I just, think about it. Think about that. I actually, I know that the stiletto pro that I'm carrying came from Andy Stanford because mm -hmm. Jamie had given me a stiletto, not the stiletto pro. Right. And I just remembered that, that, um, the package came from Andy and I had just gotten it and charged it up that day. And yeah. my parents came up to meet me for, and met me in town for dinner that night. And I gave the stiletto, the 600 lumen one to my father. Yes, yeah. I got to tell a funny dad story real quick. And I handed it to him. He's a was a flashlight guy, loved flashlights. And I handed it to him and told him, hey, that cable, because I'd gotten him a, a sidekick. 
So the same cable cable that charges your sidekick will charge this and everything. I handed it to him and I shut the door of the truck and they drove off. And we live about an hour and 15 minutes or so apart. Well, an hour and 15 minutes later, my phone rings and my father's like, hey, did you see what I did with that flashlight you gave me? I said, it was in your lap when I shut the door. He goes, yeah, it must have fallen in the floorboard. It's dark outside. I'll go out tomorrow when it's daylight to find it. And I just said, well, Pops, you know, if you had a good flashlight, you could find your flashlight. Hey. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there you go. Snuck a sound bite in. The, uh, yeah, the, the funny thing is about, like, flashlights. Yeah. I, yeah. I mentioned on a podcast years and years ago. Yeah. They said, what's the number one thing you will not be without? And I said, a flashlight. And yeah. I, and now my stiletto or my ProTac, or I've got one of the uh, ready up gear spark little, you know, single 123A uh, or the rechargeable. I can't remember. It's, it's bright and it's yeah. very small. And I go, you know, I operated for like 12 years, 13 years in police work with like an 80 lumen 100 lumen halogen sl20 and what i came to find was uh even if you're plain clothes or you're you're off duty when you hit somebody kind of in the face with a flashlight i don't mean physically but right. just with a beam of light uh-huh. immediately criminals tend to think uh-oh, that guy's got a flashlight. He's probably a cop or he's yeah. a security guard or he's somebody that's probably got a gun to go along with that flashlight. Uh, and I've seen that multiple times, uh, especially like nowadays. Sometimes I'll go on a little like after dark walkabout to, mm-hmm. you know, a restaurant or something that's close. And inevitably one of the pigeons, I call them pigeons because they're all looking for a cage to jump in, right? Uh, well, hey, you know, to hit me up for money and you pull the flashlight out and they go, oh, never mind. And, and it's just, I think it it's the uh, the association of people that have really bright flashlights are generally armed or they're a cop or they're, you know, they're somebody that has some importance bigger than them, uh-huh. if that makes sense. And yeah. Uh, Bulky and I talk, talked about that a lot. He's like, yeah, I, flashlights will keep you out of more yeah. physical encounters. And, uh, and you know, when somebody gets six, 800 lumens in the face, oh. it's kind of hard to see where you went when you move. So yeah. I don't think they're it, for a piece of every day, as much as I hate EDC, even yeah. though it's EDC Belco, uh, I, I think that's just kind of an invaluable piece of kit. So, oh, nice hat. We got some <laughs> new ones. Did you see the new ones? Mm-hmm. I'll square yeah. you away with the new one. Cool. Cool. Well, as my father came up just a second ago, um, it's funny that, you know, the last month I've just been, obviously, I've been thinking of him a lot. And uh, I never knew my paternal grandfather. He died before I was born. And so my father used to always throw out these, my father always said, and then it would always come with a piece of advice. And I need to ask, ask my uncle at some point, did, did, did Pauline's actually say these things or did daddy just make them up and attribute them to him to see if I would pay, pay more attention? One of them, you know, was, you know, my father always said, 
if you aim for the moon and you miss low and you, you might hit the barn or you'll hit the barn. But if you aim for the barn and you miss low, you'll blow your foot off. And he would talk about, you know, you need to have high goals for yourself and, 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 and the like. And uh, there's several other ones that always come to mind. And, um, but that was one. And at a critical juncture in my life, I graduated high school with no plan other than that I was never going to set foot in a classroom again. And I was working a series of good, honest labor, but dead-end manual labor jobs. Yeah. And um, was griping about something at work one day. And he just, well, you know, you could quit aiming at the barn. <laughs> and that's all he said. And it's like, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he, got a point it kind of drilled down into me there a little bit and i burned burned for a little while and uh i ended up enrolling in college and basically that ruled the first quarter because it gave me i could go back on my parents health insurance and i could give off for three months because i'm old enough that we were on the quarter system people um hmm. you know it gave me three months to go back on my parents health insurance and i figure out where i was going to do from there and I was soon confronted with the fact that I was actually enjoying the classroom. And so I sat down and I formulated this plan. I wanted originally, my original major was middle grades education. Yes, folks, I was going to be a middle school teacher. Nothing that has transpired since then has come even close to my becoming a middle school teacher. Uh, I did do some substitute teacher work and everything while I was in college, but my path ended up going elsewhere. You know, I would not trade where I've been for where I intended to go. But that would not have started without him saying those words at that moment where they were just so poignant that they struck with me there at the right time and spurred me to action. And, you know, um, obviously I've been thinking about him a lot over the last month and um, it dawns on me and I've been taking self-inventory and I just came to the conclusion that I've been letting the stuff that I don't want to do keep me from doing the stuff that I do want to do. And you know, I spent a lot of time and effort training to be in charge, spent a long time in charge to learn that I really don't like being in charge. <laughs> because for every story Daryl Bulky can tell you about admin, I can tell you three about personnel. <laughs> and uh, and we can have that contest one night if y'all want to. And, uh, you know, it's like, I'm at a point in my life where I can just waste away or I got time to go do something else to reshape my path a little bit. And, you know, it's kind of, I've been aiming at the barn and it's time to aim for the moon again. So uh, by the time people hear this episode playing, I am officially a graduate student again. I've actually already submitted an assignment and the class hasn't even started yet, uh, but I'm actually a graduate student again. I'm doing a certificate program. It's not a full-blown master's, but a certificate program in adult education through Oklahoma State University. 
Yep. So I will have to go to Oklahoma when I actually finish and celebrate with Brahms. That's going to have to happen. And I'll buy, brother. <laughs> I'll take you to the first Brahms. Well, you've already been there, but we'll right. go back. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I just, it's fun to be excited again. Um, you know, I've been, been looking really hard at the classes and everything. I've had a meeting with my professor and you know, she's like, why are you enrolling in this program? And I told her, and she said, well, great, because we're going to address this topic and that topic and that topic and that topic. And I'm like, all the things I wanted to do. And so I've got kind of an idea of where I want to go, but I'm not setting a hard and fast. This is what I'm going to do with this, because quite frankly, the last time I didn't, I diverged from where I was going to go and it ended right. up just fine. And so uh, I'm just going to ride this and see where it goes. Uh, I've got, like I said, I've got some ideas for what I want to do with it. And I'm not saying like I'm massively changing careers and everything, but I'm just going right. to refocus, refocus. And um, I got to grab a book while you're talking about refocusing. Sure. And well, great. Cause I was just fixing to hand it off to you. And now I got to come up with something to say till you get back with the book. Well, luckily my, my library is, is always at hand. And I got to look at the table of content, contents here. Uh, of what book? Oh, it's 12 rules for life by okay. Jordan Peterson. Okay. And, and I go to this a lot. Uh, well, I say a lot, I go to it when I'm kind of, uh, when I'm directionless or I'm rudderless or whatever. And one of one of his rules rule seven is pursue what is meaningful not what is expedient and i have uh i've struggled with that a lot because we live in a society that's very instant gratification you know buy today pay tomorrow kind of thing yeah. um and like today i was doing uh gunsmith work mm-hmm. and i go you know, I went to a two-week class 16 years ago that gave me the know-how to do what I'm doing right now. And I'm still not great at it, but I understand the principles of how to be great at it. But that was a huge commitment 16 years ago, mm-hmm. but it has paid off over and over and over again. And sometimes they're, you know, doing work like that uh, I hearken back to one of my granddad's kind of isms. Uh-huh. You'd be like, oh, wow, you're struggling? Put it down. Uh, put what down? Just stop what you're doing. Go, you know, grab a sandwich and a and an RC cola and go sit on the couch and don't don't mess with it. Because you will sort out what you're doing while you're in this downtime. And he's like, just get away from it for a minute. Uh, and when I retired from police work, I, I made a very like conscious decision that you will not do anything drastic for one year. One, I give it a year. Um, now in this year, I'm doing other things like uh-huh. I, I'm going to one of Tom's events. I've got some other stuff, you know, revolver roundup, the guardian conference, all these things that I'm committed to. But as far as like major life decisions, yeah. I'm giving myself a one year reprieve 
And the reason being is I see a lot of, uh, and it's not just cops, but I see a lot of cops. They come out of police work, they retire and they go, Oh crap. I've taken a huge pay hit. I've got to do something right now. And I see them working at the local bank, putting the same clothes on and doing this, you know, talking the same spiel. And I go, you know, if you'd just given it a little time and maybe aimed at something that was meaningful, would you be where you're at? And that's nothing against those guys. We like, I, we need those guys when I'm standing in the teller line, right? Like nothing against that. But if they just aimed for something outside of, of what they know, where would that have taken them? And, uh, and I've got lots of examples of that through my, my life. Um, and it's really interesting to talk to our mutual bud Cagle about yeah. like the path he's taken and all the various things he's doing. And he really hadn't landed on one thing, but that dude aims for the moon all the time. And I'm very, I'm envious of somebody that has that much in, energy to do that. Um, and you know, he's at a stage in life where he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have kids. He can, he can set his aim and go, Oh, well, I, I came up six millimeters short. So next time I do that. And, uh, most of us, I think by the time we were 24, 25, we were like, this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, we threw the throttle all the way forward and, and, uh, and I'm in this weird spot with that whole retirement thing about, you know, I have to look to other sources and, and what do I really, what do I see the next five to 10 years? And, Right now, I'm like behind the scenes, whether the listening audience real like I'm shooting for the moon, actually a little high. I'm the, the top mill of the moon <laughs> right now. Um, and, and I want to do something, not only that, but I want to do something meaningful. And it's it's been uh, it's been a real challenge to go, hey, bro, you gave yourself a year and here you are looking at that. And I'm like, eh. I can still work towards that. I just don't need to completely throw the throttle in for that. So, uh, and, and bulky, you know, everybody loves the, you know, loves Daryl, but Daryl has been an asset that I, I cannot tell you the amount of value that I've, I've gotten from just our friendship. And, uh, and we've spent a lot of time on the road together, but he, he jokingly calls it I'm in the retiree FDO program yeah. and he and I both like are kind of in the same phase. Just he's a little further down the road with it. And it, it I think like at a certain point you gotta, you gotta kind of have a mentor. You gotta have a number of mentors for different things. And he's, he's probably my number one mentor in how to navigate retirement and, you know, and the things to that being in law enforcement work, I've kind of neglected to, Hey, you know, maybe you need to focus on your relationship a little more, which hearing Daryl bulky who, you know, let's club felons to say, <laughs> Hey, you know, 
you, you probably need to put more emphasis on that right now yeah. uh, has been a real godsend from, uh, you know, it, it's just phases of life, I guess. And, and when I saw your announcement that you were in a graduate program, I'm like, cool, Lee's getting ready to, you know, he's got an aim. And uh, one of the things Jordan Peterson talks about in that book and, and just in some of his lectures is have an aim because even if you fall short, you're further ahead than you were if you had no aim. So, yeah, yeah this, this program marries with the job that I'm doing right now. And if nothing else, it's going to make me better at what I'm already doing. And so that's that's higher than where I'm at at this current moment. Right. And um, if it leads to other stuff, I'm, I'm, I've got 24 years on the job right now with a yeah. bash. It's got to end at some point. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that's going to be. Um, I don't work in a place that has a 20 and out program like, like you did. And uh, so there's not like a, how many more years do you have till you can pull the plug and go? Um, I'm three and a half years away from the first point in which I can start drawing money. I'm in three different retirement programs, but that money's not going to be enough to live on. I've got to work until actual like 65, 67 retirement age. Uh, I don't have to keep working what I'm doing now, but <laughs> I've got to do something uh, until that point. And Brian has frozen. But uh, I've got to keep doing something. I don't know um, where this is all actually going to end. I'm going to pause for a second, see if I can get Brian back. And we have Brian back. That commercial yeah, interview was brought happened, to you man. by the EDC Belt Company. And, uh, you know, as I was saying, Brian, I don't have a fixed time in which I can just hang it up and be retired, retired. I'm going to have to work until retirement age for a whole host of of reasons yeah but i'm kind of looking at you know that that 55 when i can first start drawing some of the money is maybe when i hang up the badge and then move on to the next what i'm going to do for the rest of my work time but i don't know that for certain that's going to happen uh the county that i work for just recently did an early retirement for people at 58 and 60 and so like at 55 i'm going Okay, do I want to hang in? Hope that they come back with another one of those in a couple of years. Or so. Yeah. so, all that said, I don't know when I'm going to retire from the from the job, in quotes, the job. But I'm starting to kind of make preparations for where I go from. Good, because I, you know, I struggled with that a lot. I mean, it, it, when I was hurt had my the hip injury another great mentor was uh haney mcmood you know he has a podcast the often anyway <laughs> uh, but we were talking and i said dude i think i'm gonna pull the ripcord in may uh, uh and i don't know if i'm ready but uh but all the signs are telling me to go and he said man you need to consider that a blessing and i went what, man, I don't know if I'm ready to go yet. And he said, well, you know, you got the belt business and you do the pot. You, you've got your hands in like 80 things. And he said, so one of them's going to suffer. And I went, yeah, some of them are. And he goes, well, 
at least you get to pick when you jump off the, when you, you get off at the next pier. He's like, you got to choose that. And he goes, how many of people have you worked with that somebody else made the decision when they got off the train? And I was like, Ooh, Oh man, Hanny's sticking me with some deep Arab wisdom there. Like, uh, but, uh, but it, it's absolutely true. Uh, and you know, how many of our peers have gone, man, I'm having a great career. And then one day this something befalls them and they go, Oh, I got to leave. And if you're lucky, you've got a pension vested and you can, yeah. you can take money out of it. And that's, that's where I was. And it was like, yeah, it's, it, it's time to go. And, uh, and I attribute a lot of that decision to like, this is going to sound cheesy and corny, but, uh, to like Daryl Wayne, Tom Givens, you other people that, that I, I'm around that are in kind of my network of, of support and, and all that to go, yeah, you're going to be fine. You're, you're going to be good. And, uh, another dear friend of mine who sees a lot of other people in our career field, he was like, you know, of anybody that can leave and be okay, you're, you're probably the, the number one dude that I know that can pull it off and not really suffer. But then the flip side is, you know, in suffering, there is growth and I've been real comfortable lately and, and not like necessarily financially comfortable, but just everything's kind of chugging along easy. And I know that's going to end and that's okay. But I don't know what chapter two looks like just yet or chapter three at this point in my life. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I was really happy to hear you, you signed up for a graduate program, like you've got your aim on something else and, that's that's awesome because so many people, especially in our line of work or my past line of work, the gravy train just keeps coming. Oh, yeah. hey, everything's great. And then the one bad day happens or the one bad administrator or the one change of command or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's like, uh-oh, you know, the the life I had is no longer what I had. And, and uh in police work, it's dynamic like that. And, you know, I got fortunate that I weathered a lot of storms, but I just saw the writing on the wall to go all Nebuchadnezzar on you. But I saw the writing on the wall and it was time to go. And now yeah. I'm kind of in neutral, but I have an aim. And uh, hopefully that comes to fruition. But if it doesn't, it's okay. I'll be all right. Yeah. Um, I've joked a lot that I got the end of my career in the middle, you know, cause I went from Sergeant, I skipped Lieutenant Captain and Major to Chief. Yeah. And held that position for 12 years. It was, you know, three terms. And then my sheriff retired. I didn't have a choice as to whether or not I was going to make a change. Yeah. I was in an appointed position and the person that appointed me retired. Uh, thankfully I was thrown a lifeline into the position that I have now. So I wasn't left like flailing. I had to just accept a job to take a job. And man, that probably the first year of that, uh, I went from people asking, how are you adjusting? And it was like, ask me five minutes from now. Because yeah. right now I'm either struggling or right now I'm okay. And in five minutes, I'll, I'll be the opposite. 
And, you know, that lasted for about a year. And then the next year it's been, okay, well, I know I don't want to go back to the pressure cooker of being yeah. in charge, but I don't know what I want to do. And not having direction has just been awful. And, you know, it's, I'm excited again. It's fun to like, I, I know it's a lot of work. I've bitten off, you know, something I got to chew now and, and like, but I'm excited. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm actually now looking like, okay, maybe that wasn't the end of my career in the middle. Maybe that was preparation for where I'm about to go. And, and what's the worst that could happen? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, as I forget who was that told me one time, so, you know, they can't take your education away from you. You know what, <laughs> what I got told the, uh, the first year I was in police work and I had a, I, or actually it was about two years in and I had a rough road for a couple yeah. of years and I had a boss set me down and he goes, Hey man, they can't eat you or take your birthday. You'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and it was totally, you know, something that was not my fault that yeah. I got caught in the middle of some shift bickering and I'm like, Oh yeah. God, this sucks. And my boss goes, yeah, but they can't eat you or take your birthday. This will, this will pass. And, uh, you know, and my dad of all people now we were working in the shop today. And one of the things he used to tell me for 20 years of police work is, Hey man, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. I went, well, when am I supposed to sweat the big stuff? And he goes, Oh, you'll know, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I, you know, I reached yeah. a place with police work where I had no yeah. aspirations to do anything else. Right. And somebody asked me today, like, when did you know it was time to go? And I said, I had no, I said, this is the kicker. I said, I had no aspirations to do anything else. And they're like, what? And I go, you know, when I was in the army, I, I hit the point where I was like, I, there's nothing else I really want to do here. Right. Uh, and on the PD, it took me about 19 years before I went, okay, there's, there's, there's younger people. There's this, they need to take a turn in the barrel or whatever. And I just, there's nothing here left for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the business stuff, the entrepreneurial stuff is really scary to be honest, yeah. but it's where my heart's at, you know, at now. So, ah. Uh, well, man, we've, yeah. we've really covered some emotional ground. Uh, <laughs> some personal growth. This is a personal growth podcast, everyone. That's right. Yeah, I was actually pulling up my phone right here to look back at some of the comments in the in the thread because it was one uh, Tammy Bartels, uh, Bartels, however you say it. I'm, Tammy, I'm sorry. Bartels. Yeah. Bartels, last name. And she actually wanted to talk about some of that. And, you know, why is it important to aim high in training, no matter what training it is, you know, physical education stuff, you know, whether you do martial arts, whatever, shooting, combatives, and everything. But also, how do you identify when you're in over your head? Oh, you'll know. Yeah. Um, our mutual friend, Eric Gelhouse, told me, um, 
you'll know when it's time to get out because your body will tell you and you'll know when it's time to get out. And uh, I'm at a point where I emotionally can walk away and put it down. And I yeah. never, I never was at that point. I'm not saying I want to walk away. Right. Um, yeah, I've told people I, I, I'd go do something else if I had something else I wanted to go do. And yeah. I just, and it's just been okay. When is the light from heaven going to open up with this other thing that I want to go do? And so, all right. Well, it turns out you actually got to go looking for it. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. It, I emotionally about 16 years, mm -hmm. actually it was about 18 because I went back to night shift mm -hmm. and I was in bike patrol on night shift year 16 and 17. I was like, Oh man, like I'm fighting the, uh, like, I'm, I'm mixing it up again. There's like felons are falling in my lap. I get to do, and I do a better quality of police work now because yeah. I know all the BS that goes on. Right. And then about year 18, emotionally, I disconnected. Yeah. I was just like, this is just a job. This is just a job again. Um, and I, and I ebbed and flowed through those processes as I was, uh, you know, growing up in police work and uh at a certain point i hit the emotional wall of what's one more felon yeah what's one more commendation what's one more reprimand it's it's all a heap of of not much yeah and, and i don't you know i don't need to chase the chase the dragon anymore or whatever uh, and 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 it, there was a couple of incidents that happened where I went, yeah, I don't, I don't have the emotional investment in this and mm -hmm. I don't, it, it, the satisfaction is gone. This is just, I'm going through the motions, you know, please don't audience. Don't take my humor at this one story that I'm about to tell you as humor, as far as the incident that happened, because the actual yeah. incident was tragic. Um, uh, but we had a fatal plane crash a couple yeah. of months ago and, you know, it's a big area that has, ha that's having to be secured, having to shut down the roadway that goes through it and everything. And I left the office, get in the truck, drive to one of the perimeter traffic control units and relieve one of the young guys. Yeah, man, get out of here. Whatever. He's like, you're not going to go to the scene? Whatever. You know, I'm not in charge anymore, but I've still got rank. And uh, he's like, you're not going to go down to the whatever. It's like, dude, this is my third plane crash. Uh, I don't need to see that again. You go right ahead if you want to. I'll, I've got your traffic post. You go do whatever you want to go do. And it's just, you know, that's when it kind of hit me too. So, yeah. Okay, we're we're getting closer to the edge when when even the big events now are kind of like yeah yeah seen it done that. The, our our buddy Greg Elifritz wrote an article a while back uh, called "Crime Scene Tourism: Being a Crime Scene Tourist." Mm -hmm. And I said, man, I wished I I wished I'd read that like twenty years ago. Thanks, Greg, for being twenty years too late for me, but. Uh, <laughs> And I've shared it several times because it's 
um, you know, when you're young, that stuff has an appeal. And when you're yeah. older, you're like, you know, I don't want that baggage anymore. And yeah. when, when I left, um, I just didn't enjoy doing what I was doing anymore. And, uh, yeah, it like may a year ago, like may of last year, I worked the, uh, the gun range for like the last time and I, and I'm helping run this in-service deal. And I had some jack wagon point a gun at me, not once, but twice. Uh. And I called our mutual buddy, Daryl. And I'm like, bro, I love teaching cops to be dangerous. Uh. And it, like to, to possess a level of skill that they've never had like that. That's just the juice for me now. I said, but I got a gun pointed at me twice by the same guy. And he goes, time to go, bro. And I went, what, what you of all people are telling me this. And he goes, man, you're too close to the finish line to get killed by some idiot on the same team. Yeah. And at that moment, like, you know, my reprieve had been working the gun range, like, you know, from patrol and the stresses and all that I'd go, Hey, I've got a week and a half of in-service or two weeks of in-service where my schedule's adjusted and I get to do this and I get to get my, my, I get to put on my trainer hat and all this. And that passion died right at that moment. Yeah. And I went, yeah, I, I can never walk out here again and I'm okay with it. Yeah. And, and that was a hard day because I, I called Trish and I said, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I said, you know, I mean, I mean, I still want to train people. I still want to help people. Yeah. I just don't want to do this. And she goes, how many instructors are out there? I was like, oh, like 12. She goes, okay. If you leave, is that whole place going to implode? <laughs> I went, no. <laughs> she said, then leave. <laughs> I went, oh. She said, because I'm kind of tired of when you, when you, <clears throat> Before, when I would leave there, I would tell her about all the good things that happened. Yeah. And for like the last two years, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what happened and this and that. Yeah. And she's like, so it's gone from something you enjoyed to something that's very negative. And that's yeah. time to cut that out. Yeah. So I didn't ever, you know, May, May of uh, 2022 is my last rodeo there. And yeah. I, I don't miss it. Yeah. And that was when I knew it was like, Oh, your time is drawn short. Yeah. Um, anyway. yeah. And folks is, I'm going to offer this just as a way for you to, to just maybe make some understanding or offer some understanding as how doing this job kind of stays with you cumulatively over the years. Uh, today's the 20th. So the 18th, uh, it was two days ago, and one of my former colleagues and his father, who was a longtime cop in the area, they were posting pictures of their son and brother who died, you know, 23 years ago on the 18th. And it automatically struck me, oh, well, that was 22 years ago then that we worked a very graphic suicide. Yeah. And the reason that sticks out with me, and I know it, is because the son of that father-son duo was the lieutenant over our CID at the time. And they had a 
debrief. Uh, you know, critical incident debrief with us and everything just to make sure everybody was doing all right. And my former coworker at the time, he got real emotional in the debrief and he was not an emotional guy. And he said when the phone rang about the the incident, he woke up and he looked over at his clock and it was at the exact same time of the day on the clock. It was in the middle of the night that his father had called to tell him that his brother had died. And it was one year to the day of his brother having died. Yeah. And he's telling us that. And so when, yeah, he posts the picture of his brother on Facebook, you know, 20 years ago, it immediately popped in my mind, subtract one year. And that's how many years ago we were there dealing with, with that guy. Um, It's been 22 years now, and I can still tell you the guy's name. Yeah. I can still graphically describe what I saw on the on the scene. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know that I'll ever forget it. I, okay, man, we're going to open that, that door. Yeah. Um, man, I like 2013 in probably the worst personal battle I was ever in. Uh, you know, I started doing EMDR therapy, you know, yeah. and fortunately the, the therapist was a, a retired cop from, uh, Norman, Oklahoma, which is like our kind of one of our sister cities. Uh -huh. And you know, it, it's a big measuring contest. Now that I am a go poke to Oklahoma state cowboy, I have to refer to it. That's where the dirt burglars are, right? Yes. Okay. I've always said if you just move the universities, yeah, or you just move if you transplanted the the town of Stillwater just south of me and moved all the Normanites up up north, yeah. uh, and I have a very we have a very cool mutual colleague that's the presiding judge over that county. Yeah. Um, I love Stillwater. Oh and gosh, I love I, it I'm not a I, I'm not a big like football fan when people go who hey, you know it's bedlam i'm like is that football yeah and i, I just make that joke but <laughs> oh man i've got to we'll come back to your story but i've got to tell you something that's going to make you laugh all right our mutual friend david cagle is also doing the program mm -hmm. that i'm doing the cagle family has a building named after them on the ou campus and uh, let's just say Mr. Cagle is not exactly happy that his son is now enrolled at Oklahoma <laughs> State. And, of course, I had to send links to Oklahoma State Dad t-shirts to, <laughs> to Cagle. Hey, man, this is what you need. And by now back to uh, once he quits laughing. <laughs> man, I choked him with water there. Um, but, no, it, like, uh, back to the, the serious note, yeah. you know, I started doing this EMDR, th eye yeah. movement therapy, yeah. and uh, I had a bunch of critical incidents mm -hmm. uh, in a short window of time, and yeah. that was the only thing that kept a lid on it, yeah. it just where I just didn't want to explode all the time. Yeah. And kind of like you said, I remember the people's name and faces and the address and all this, and, and when I did that, if there's one piece of advice I could tell any new cop period is like, as soon as you get your feet under you and you, you kind of know the lay of the land, uh, 
look up EMDR and go talk to your peer support or your chaplain or whoever it is and go, Hey, I, I need to probably get proactive about this. Uh, I wish I had done it 10 years sooner in my career. Uh, but that helped me navigate a lot of that stuff and kind of take the edge off of it. I wish it was a permanent solution. It, it It's not. Uh, but all the years of doing that, I've been doing it 10 years now. And even in retirement, I still have a standing appointment with a retired cop. And sometimes I just go in and go, dude, I went to Rangemaster TACCON and it was awesome. And he's like, cool. All right. See you next month. Um, or, or, man, I went and did this instructor program with Eric Gellhouse. It was awesome. Um, and I, it, it's been really valuable to me. Uh, but that was the only way I survived a 20-year career, man, because you just get it piled on. And uh, it, it was funny. If, if you want to talk about personal stuff and growth and all that, uh, I was talking gun training and firearms training with, uh, this, this fellow. And I said, you know, I'm starting to notice this trend uh, across my peer group, the guys that get in an officer involved shooting, they're tuned up, have less emotional trauma than the people that don't. Yep. And he's like, okay. I, I, he wrote it down and we, I said, you know, you debrief a lot of the OIS stuff. And I said, I'm seeing that the dudes that are trained up that have the triad in balance, mindset, marksmanship, gun handling, those guys, they get in an officer-involved shooting and it's like, man, that sucked. I don't ever want to have to do that again. But I'm okay. Like, it yeah. wasn't. They were already was, mentally prepared to go there. Exactly. And I said, the people that we train, they come out of an academy and they hit the street and boom, they get in an officer involved shooting or a critical incident and they didn't have those three things in balance. I said, I'm, I'm starting to see that those people go off the rails pretty regularly. And he goes, I'm going to do some, a little more research into this. Well, sure enough, more and more and more officer involved shooting people, you know, clientele he had. And he's like, Dude, the guys I have that are like firearms instructor level tuned up, they go and they stay active in training. He goes, the emotional wound is way less deep because that was the easy button to solve the problem. The people that don't have the skill and confidence to execute that on demand, he goes, the number one thing I hear is I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. And because for some reason that triggers something in their psyche that, that we really have to spend a lot of time unwinding. So, you know, for those cops out there, a EMDR is good. And B, if there's any reason to stay active, keeping your skills sharp, at least you'll know if, if the day comes, at least you won't have the degree of emotional trauma that somebody that's barely uh, one of these barely qualifiers kind of has. Um, and it's nothing against them. They're doing, they're, they're going with what they know, but, uh, but it was pretty, pretty interesting that, uh, that, that whole contrast. Yeah. And then he would actually like feed me clientele, like, Hey, we're on, 
non-disclosures. I will, this guy's going to reach out to you and I want you to take it, take him to the range and just re-inspire confidence. And, and I did a few of those and the dudes that were tuned up at any given point in the day would feel sorry for the suspect. Man, I wish he hadn't have done that because I'm a bad mofo. Like I am good. The people that were, uh, I can't believe I survived because I barely passed the qualification. Every time I dread going to the gun range by the end of the day would go, Oh, these are all the reasons that I, I thrived in that incident because I already had the tools there available. I just didn't know how good I could recall them, but there was a lot of emotional trauma associated with it. So it, yeah. it anyway, Thankfully, I have I have never had to drop the hammer slash striker. Me on either. Anyone. I have been in quite a few deadly force situations, but ones that did not result in the actual use of deadly force. And I know you, in the environment you worked in, you probably worked way more of those than I did. Um, but you know, over the last few years, as my skill set has really solidified, and it's got. I just I know what I can do with the tool in my hand. And so there's not trepidation for the use of the tool. When it comes, you know, I remember several years ago we were taking out a murder suspect. And you know, I had the red dot on my rifle on his chest. And it wasn't, oh, I hope I can handle this if he does X. It was like if he does a hex, I'm going to drop him where he stands. And again, yeah. folks, I'm not laughing as in the humor of the situation. It's just, I wasn't scared. Right. Uh, there was no interpretation. There was no, it's like, yeah, if, if he breaks bad, it's going to, it's going to be really, really, really bad day for him. And, yeah. You know, there were, there was no hesitancy. No, no, nothing on my part. The decision was already made. The motor programs were loaded, and all I had to do was execute if the stimulus was there. And thankfully, thankfully, uh, the stimulus wasn't wasn't there. And you know, I've had a couple of my guys that are tuned on, tuned up guys. You know, switched on, have been involved in deadly force situations, and man, they just performed, you know, heroically yeah. and 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 textbook performances and they you know they've had they're having to deal with what what happened but there was never like well i, was I, really I gonna be about okay one in this setting because it's still ongoing legally on the civil side yeah but but you know it's it's got to be different to when they've done what they've done now i'm stopping them Versus to oh my gosh I hope I don't die, no, that the the mental aspect of that, and, and folks this isn't just a cop thing this is if you're walking around in the world thing. You know, yeah, and I I I get a little, uh, you, you know some some of the training I see out there tends to be kind of gunfight fantasy camp yeah. and and yeah. It, which <laughs> I borrowed that from from Ernest. Yeah. Uh, but, and I'm real like leery of some stuff, but mm -hmm. at the same time I go, 
you know, a lot of these people carrying guns have no idea, like, the gravity of what's going to happen if you drop a striker or, you know, you Mm -hmm. pop a primer on somebody. Your life as you know it is going to dramatically alter. Um, Whereas on the police side, your life is going to be different in the background, but your job is not going to change. Your, your, your livelihood, what you do, uh, provided it's righteous and you didn't just like summarily execute someone, you're probably going to go a couple weeks off. Hey, good job. Great to see you back. The mental side of you is going to be the next battle. Um, whereas on the, citizen the armed citizen side you know that could impact your livelihood your job your your career working in a field you've worked in for 20 plus etc and on and on and on um so i i don't really subscribe to the bravado area of that um but anyway the uh but you were talking about that uh deadly force encounter and the other thing i find that almost across the board is people that possess a high level of skill set and i don't mean high level it like gm level Uh i you know uspsa idpa etc etc um something like that i mean people that are competent in the triad mindset marksmanship gun handling People that possess that degree of competence are able to think behind a gun and avoid more than they will ever encounter right. just almost hands down. Yeah. Uh, and it could be something as simple as I can shut this person off that fast. Yeah, That's the easy button. Uh, I got asked in an internal affairs interview of all things, why didn't you shoot him? I was like, oh, that would have been easy. And they're like, at that point, I probably would have shot him. And I'm like, well, that's you, not me. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I didn't have to, but yep. in in my mind, I was going, there's a line. And as soon as your toe crosses yep. that line, yeah. you're going to cease to alive. Yeah. Um, and there were three separate times they go, why didn't you shoot him? I'm like, well, I still had it kind of under control. Doesn't sound like it. Well, worked out, you know, but, but the whole time I'm going, man, if I did not possess or I hadn't honed the skills that I've honed, somebody else would have taken that up that taken advantage of that opportunity. So yeah, I had a guy trying to commit suicide by cop one day. At least I was pretty concerned. Pretty sure that's what he was trying to do. Pretty convinced. Pretty convinced that's what he was trying to do. And I had knowledge of the guy. Uh, I knew there had been two previous suicide attempts on his part. And I was pretty certain that that's what he was trying to go me into doing. And I drew a line. If he crosses that line, I will utilize my tools. But if I can keep him on the other side of that line, then I won't have to. And I was able to talk him down. And the funny thing is that the deputy that responded to back me up, the next guy through the door was on his first day of field training with us. Had no knowledge of that guy's history background. And had he been the first one through the door, 
seeing what I saw, he would have been legally justified to have used deadly force. And I would have no qualms with him having used deadly force in that situation. But I was able to resolve it. And, and part of that was me knowing the guy's background. If I had not known about those other two incidents, I don't know that I would have let it go as long as it did. Uh, but going back to just the incident I talked about at the beginning of, of this episode. All right. I hit that individual with my flashlight as they I was at the rear of my truck. They were at the front corner of my truck. So I had the whole truck in between me. I was like, you know, standing around the side of it. They were standing around the side of the front. And I'm like doing the 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 target math in my head. If they step to come around the truck, I'm going around to the other side. They're going to have to come all the way around this truck to get me. That signifies intent. I know I'm in the parking lot of a fire station, so all this is being video recorded. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm not going to burn them down if they start to come around the truck at the first step. But if I go around the other side of my truck and they start making steps to try to come all the way around at me and come, okay, we're painting a completely different picture than he just shot right. a, shot somebody over them asking for change. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't even know that I would have gone to guns necessarily at that point, but also no, I didn't want to get in a fight with, you know, a hands-on fight with what I would have been fighting with. Yeah. Yeah. You, how many, <laughs> maybe not many, but yeah. you know, people, that are into uh, grappling and I have no qualms with that at all. I think that's a, uh -huh. a valuable, valuable skill. Right. Um, there are people in the world that I do not want to put my hands on. I don't want them to touch me. Right. Uh, the number of people that I have taken to the jail and in a med screen have full blown AIDS, Hep C, yep. Hep A, uh, any number of anomalies. And I yep. go, there are just some people in the world. I don't, I, I don't want that biohazard to touch me. Yeah. And I love the, the, the fighting arts. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I talked to Cecil two days ago. I love that guy. Yeah. There are certain people in the world that I'm like, mm -mm, just teach me how to keep them off of me. Yep. Um, so anyway, but, but there again, having, that degree of confidence with right. whether it be a flashlight pepper yeah. spray gun knife fighting skills whatever it is the more of those those skills you have and the better honed they are the less apt you are to use them right. and i and i think that's a paradigm in law enforcement that they have not quite quantified nor have they yep. they emphasized uh some of the best gun dudes I've ever known went a 30 year career and never had to shoot anybody yep. because, and not because they couldn't yeah. <laughs> It was yeah. just because eh, give them another inch and a half. Yeah. Um, and some of the best, some of the best martial artists I've known are the best at avoiding fights mm -hmm. because of all the reasons I just mentioned. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and it's, I was not in the position where I was sitting there going, oh, I hope this person doesn't come around the truck after me. I was standing there going, if they do X, this my response is. There's a calmness into knowing what you're capable of doing 
and having a plan and you just execute the plan versus you're having to formulate the plan as your face is being ground into the pavement. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I can tell you which one is less stressful. I've been on both sides of that. And uh, uh, I can tell you which one is is less stressful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I was, I was, uh, I was sitting here. I, I'm, I'm looking through the listener comments uh, on that Weems guy. I was just thinking about how, like, matter of fact and frank we just got and uh, looking at some of the questions that came up so I could prepare an answer because if you're prepared for it, you're not going to have the emotional damage as to whether Lee asked you a question you're not prepared for. So. Oh gosh, that, that that makes me flash back. I, I was the public information officer for for twelve years as well, and I went on a radio show. I thought to do an interview about one topic, and all of a sudden the radio show host starts asking me about air conditioner thefts, and I'm I was not prepared to talk about that topic. I, I just, no. <laughs> you know, just where did you come up with air conditioner thefts? And why did you throw that out? You asked me to come on and talk about X and you phoned me a question about Y. And now I'm sitting here going, uh, 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 well, um, uh, versus having an idea of what I was going to say. Right. It's the same thing. So I, we can say at this point, look, you guys that are asking the ice cream questions in the group, there's no store-bought grocery store ice cream that compares with Brahms. I don't know why y'all keep asking that question. You can love Bluebells all you want to. It's not the same as going to a Brahms. Bluebells is great ice cream, but it's just not the same. No, it's not. And even Tammy said there's just right. no comparison. But, right. but seriously, uh, I I, I, I was looking through the uh, yeah. listener comments, and I keep seeing stuff on lever guns, <laughs> and I'm like, uh. You know, I, I love them. Yeah. Um, let's see. But I saw Matt Lanfair, our, our friend Matt Lanfair, mm-hmm. says, how to present and receive correction. X is the best and other fallacies that ignore nuance. Depends is a weak man's position. And other ways to tell someone does not re- live, live in reality. Embracing differences among students makes for a better instructor. That was a whole lot packaged into one paragraph, Matt. Um, but, and then lever gun, like I can talk about lever gun mods all day, but, um, uh, but yeah, that on the instruction side, if we go to that, if you want to, if you want to switch. Well, I'll tell you what, we've been going at a little over an hour. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. And you know what? I don't want to take away from all the stuff we just said. I don't either. Kind of, I, 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 I like think we're, we're at going. a stopping point. I think we're at a stopping point. So what you got coming up, Brian? Well, let's see. The Guardian Conference is the end of or mid-September here, a couple of weeks. I'll be teaching a couple of blocks. I think Chuck Haggard and I are actually going to team up on a block, mm-hmm. a two-hour block on what we call Rule 1 Guns. Rule 1, have gun. <laughs> right. Um, just to kind of give some some newer shooters some exposure to some smaller guns and how to operate them. Yeah. Uh, something I 
I think in Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's in Oklahoma City at the Oklahoma City Gun Club Guardian Conference. It's a like Guardian Guardian Conference 2023.com. Uh it's through concealedcarry.com. And I'll probably be teaching my four hour skill builder, uh, which is kind of my shtick. It's all about critical accuracy in constrained times. And uh Let's see. I've got uh, a deal coming up in October. Alex Sansone convinced me to come out of the shadows and teach a one-day practical revolver class. And it's at Big Tech's Ordnance in like north of Houston, Conroe, Texas. I'm going to drive down there, and it's October 21st. I think the class is like 200 bucks, And it's going to be me walking you through how to run a revolver and nothing super, you know, if you don't have a holster, don't worry about it. Show up. I'll, we'll figure it out. Um, it's going to be a, a little bit about the nuance of a revolver. And, uh, I will say that Tom Givens gave me some props on how to run a revolver. So I feel confident now. I was like, master Yoda has blessed me. Uh, but, Alex wanted to put that together for some of his shooting peeps down there. So uh, like 100, 150 rounds of ammo, eight hours. It'll be a pretty chill class, but learn some of the nuance of revolvers. And uh, something I'm very near, I'm very passionate about. November, Revolver Roundup. I'll be back out there teaching with Daryl and Wayne and Mark Fricky and some other dudes. Uh, Chuck, of course, Chuck Haggard. Um, I was trying to think of who else. Oh, we got Cecil Birch this year, uh, Caleb Giddings, and I think Rhett Niemeyer is coming out to put on a block. So it'll be a, a good mashup again. Uh, and then December, I take December off from doing anything, but those three things are coming up. Uh, belt company is still going strong. EDC belt company, the podcast, I'm down to about one a month because I, that's all I've had time for mm-hmm. Patreon. I'm doing one to two, a, one to two video articles a month on Patreon. Uh, it, it's under Eastridge training and consulting. That's a fun one. Cause guys send me gunsmithing questions and I take a video of me doing what they're asking me about. So, uh, I've had several older dudes go, I just bought a number two pillar file. I'm like, sweet. All right. Nicholson, maybe set me up an account. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's see. That that That's really what I've got there. Um, Guardian Conference, Michael Burgess is coming in for the Guardian Conference. As always, he comes just hang out with me and we catch up. And then he's coming to Revolver Roundup. Uh, and then in, I think, December, I got something going on with Tom, but that's kind of hush-hush, so... Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. Here's uh, it. But uh, other than that, man, uh, Bulky and I are kind of carrying the hits banner right now. So uh, we're doing like the hits first responder pistol. Uh, when Kegel gets back, there'll probably be hits first responder rifle and some shotgun. But you know, I'm I'm kind of in pistol world now, so. 
big shout out and thank you to Everett Snyder, who is the world's greatest host. Uh, Everett should write a book on how to make an instructor feel like family. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I, you told us, don't cancel that class. Just yeah. go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we went, we went to Terre Haute last month, just kind of on a wing and a prayer and, uh, man, Everett made it awesome. So yeah. thanks Everett. Yeah. Um, it's good, good to talk good about Everett. So, uh, folks, please don't email Tom asking him what Brian just mentioned. If, if you haven't Ever. gotten, a, if you haven't gotten an email, then, then you're not, then you're not no, the, no, no, just stop it right now. Stop it. Stop and it I'm sorry. Me. I didn't mean to let the cat out of the bag. I didn't say the date or what it was, but there's, I, there's step something away, step away from the computer folks right now. All right. It, no, I'm telling you right now. No. Yeah. That's the, it, that's the answer. Um, September 23rd in Cisco, Georgia, which is up near Dalton, Georgia, which is near Chattanooga, Tennessee. I am teaching my trigger management class, which is my best-selling class by far. Uh, I was for months thinking, man, this thing's not selling. And then all of a sudden it has started selling and there are only like uh, two, three spots left in it. So if you were thinking about signing up for that class, you need to sign up for that class. Um October 28th and 29th, I think those are the two days, the last weekend in October. I have Red Hill Range Reserved, which is in Martin, Georgia, which is straight up I-85. Take a left before you get South Carolina. Um, it's 85 from Atlanta. And I am running another one of what I call my instructor camps. You have to already be a certified instructor to come to the, to the event, and that's just basically so I don't have people showing up that I have to teach how to draw out of the holster. Um, and this... Uh, this particular instructor camp, we are going to focus on the topic of interleaving, which is designing drills or selecting drills that combine skills and the benefits of that. And please don't let the title. Kegel was on me earlier. like, yeah, it's fascinating, but nobody knows who it is, and that's why nobody's signing up. All right, folks, it's a very interesting topic that uh, I think you can get a lot of benefit out of doing more things with less rounds than some of the traditional drills that you've been running in your classes. So come to that. The first day is going to be a little short classroom presentation and safety brief. And then we're going to the range and we're going to run through a progression of interleave drills that I have either developed or selected uh, that run all together in a progression to show you how this works. And then you're going to have the opportunity to design or select your own drill. And then the rest of the class time, and it's a two-day event, is going to be you teach your drill and run it. And all the other students are going to be your line. So you will have command of the line. You will run the students through the drill. And then we will give you feedback on the drill that you selected, how you ran the whole thing. It's going to be a very supportive environment. It's a doctrine-free environment. We're not going to argue over anybody's doctrine and stuff. But uh, basically, especially if you're a newer instructor or you're an instructor that has, you primarily deal with, you know, single instructor to student private lessons, 
this is a chance for you to come run a line full of shooters that are all going to be pretty squared away. So you're not going to have to worry about that aspect of it. Um, it's your chance to get experience in working a line. And Brian, is it different when you have a line full of shooters versus one? <laughs> There's a craft and yeah. an art form. And so and, this uh, is good. Alex Kogan completely yeah. blew my mind on that. Yeah, so this is your chance to come learn how to or get experience in running a line without having to do it on the job, on the job training, so to speak. And so it's just it's just about making you better as an instructor or coach, whichever term you want to use. And um, I'm going to be providing targets. I've rented all the range of steel everything now if there's you've got something you want to run in mind that has a very specific target you might need to bring it because i may not have that one but i will have a general array of like qualification type targets and b8s and that kind of stuff um i, I, I think it'll be worthwhile i remember what it is what? tom is doing the professional pistol craft instructor december 8th at the royal range in nashville there you go. Okay. There it is. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. That's what I was trying to remember about December. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, man. Good. The what's funny is we, you know, you on this new trajectory of aim yeah. for the moon, not the barn, and this podcast was totally off the cuff. We yeah. didn't really rehearse anything about it. So yeah. All right, man. Well, it is almost 11 o'clock here on the right coast. And uh, I still have one more freshman paper to grade before I go to bed. And I have to upload this episode so that it uh, will be there for everyone tomorrow. And They'll man, get I'm, over it if it's on Tuesday. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Monday morning, 6 a.m. Eastern. That's when they drop. Theoretically. Theoretically. Well, Brian, I appreciate you bailing me out and uh, us, us having this good cathartic conversation tonight. And hopefully the uh, the audience will find it beneficial. I'm, my numbers, they were steadily climbing, 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 climbing. Then all of a sudden they went over the peak and started down the other side. And then they kind of went back up towards the peak a little bit. And last couple episodes, they've started back down the other side. So we'll see. I don't know what's going on. Kids are uh, back in school. That's what's going on. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, as always, Brian, thank you for your time. And to the audience, we know that your most important asset is your time. Thank you for choosing to spend it with us. <laughs>